And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, as well as our engineer extraordinaire, Nick the Geek, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Thank you very much, and welcome back once again, my friends, to the David Bowers Awards. Welcome to everyone around the world, and of course, our listeners in Rochester, New York, who listen to us through the courtesy of WRFZ FM 106.3, better known as Rochester Free Radio, where uh, we really we really have a following up there, and we are so happy to have all of our Rochester, New York listeners with us. And uh, if you listeners around the world, wherever you are, if you want to drop us a line and let us know where you're listening from, we'll be more than happy to uh, mention you on the air as we do our friends in Rochester. This is not just a, uh, uh, you know, this isn't just a political thing where we only mention the one. Uh, we'd be happy to mention uh, wherever you are, as uh, we have in the past. But, uh, yeah, let us know where you're listening from, because we like to know where our listeners are hiding so we can stalk you and come out and track you down and make you listen to some great new indie music, like, for example... Cowtown Blues by James Lee Baker. I was raised in a cow town. The Bible Belt had me tied down. I told myself I would leave one day. But then she came along and here I stay. Our breeze is rolling in That's the smell of money in the wind There's hailstorms and tumbleweeds No wonder there ain't no trees Out at the Cadillac Ranch You can paint a caddy with a spray can It sure ain't the promised land They bury perfectly good cars in the sand It's their way to say that you won't get away No There's nothing that you can do About the Cowtown Blues public pool in the summer after high school we didn't make any college plans too busy with these idle hands she was the preacher's youngest kid a sweet face and a body made for sin far from the deep blue sea just heard the devil Done with me 
feel to it. You can dance to it. You can sit down and tap your toes to it. Uh, I think that uh, Mr. Uh, Lee Baker uh, has got himself a pretty nice little song there. I'm not sure of how successful it will be on a commercial basis because I think it needs a bit more polishing production-wise. But, uh, you know, he's got a good bass there, and it's something that you can listen to and and feel. And uh, so I wish him luck with it. Yeah. I agree. It's uh, it's definitely got a hook. I think uh, I can I can hear it being played on country stations. Uh, perhaps not to you know the modern country stations. Although it's got a it's got a nice uh, uh, pop blues feel to it. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear more of James Lee Baker and the Cowtown Blues. Thank you very much, there, uh, John Bon Jovi, ladies and gentlemen, the legendary John Bon Jovi, who joins us here every week and helps us helps us negotiate the waters that uh, we sail our boat through here on Blog Talk Radio on the David Bowers Awards, where we salute Mary Perry, accredited disability representative in Rochester, New York, who helps underwrite, actually she does underwrite, the David Bowers Awards on Rochester Free Radio. And for that, Mary Perry, we get our, our love and respect. We salute you, Mary uh, Perry. This is the show, of course, where... Every show is an award show because there are so many. And if you're not aware of that, you will be in the next few months because we're headed into awards season and uh, there will be more award shows on. And <laughs> sometimes I think there are more award shows than there are people to win the awards. More awards yeah. show than you're you can, uh, than you can shake a moo cow to. Or shake an award, Ed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But this is the original one where you get to pick the award winners along with us. 
and there's no nominating panels, no voting, no nothing. You think somebody has done something musically great or incredibly stupid, uh, drop us a line to david at bdavidbowers.com. Tell us who you think it is and why, and uh, maybe we'll use your award right here on the show. Now, of course, since every show is an award show on this show, then uh, obviously every one of our guests is an automatic award winner. And we like to look at it that way. If you get on the show, it's because you're good and you have just received an award, the award of being a guest on the David Bowers Award. And today, our first the David Bowers Award, well, we're going to ruffle some feathers and, uh, and get ready because we're going to be getting some emails on this one. But I, I just, I can't hold it back any longer. I'm wondering how and when hard rock got the right to appropriate the entire genre of rock and roll. Have you noticed if you go online or anywhere else for that matter, uh, hard rock has labeled itself classic rock as if it's the only part of rock and roll. Everything else is who knows what. I, I don't know, pop, soft rock, whatever you want to call it, but hard rock is a form of rock and roll just as bluegrass is a form of country, but so is pop and soft rock and more. And matter of fact, even some adult contemporary classifies as rock and roll. Now, for those of us who are old enough to have lived through the birth of what we call rock and roll, we salute the trendsetters and the true creators. And really, you know, a lot of people trace it back to Elvis Presley. Uh, it actually goes farther back than that. Well, Elvis was the one who probably did the most of any one individual to bring rock and roll into the mainstream. You have to go back much further to get to the origins of rock and roll. You go back before Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, who were an outgrowth of early R&B, a movement precipitated by the, migrant, the migration rather of post-Civil War slaves to the major cities like New York, St. Louis, Detroit, and others. You go back to Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps in the real early 50s, really rockabilly. Rock and roll was an outgrowth of several genres, uh, most all genres of the day, as a matter of fact. Rock and roll came out of the blues. It came out of country rockabilly. Uh, it came out of uh, southern gospel. And it was being tested by the early R&B-itists like, like Big Joe Turner and the country crossovers like Gene Vincent, who experimented with making country music pop. Uh, it, should noted that, it should be noted that country itself actually evolved out of the genre known as Western music. And uh, rock also came from experimental pop stars. As Wikipedia states, rock and roll emerged as a defined musical style in the United States in the early to mid-1950s. It derived most directly from the rhythm and blues music of the 1940s, which itself developed from earlier blues, boogie-woogie, jazz, swing music, and was also influenced by gospel, country, and western, and traditional folk music. And Wikipedia goes on to say rock and roll, in turn, provided the main basis for the music that, since the mid-1960s, has been generally known simply as rock music, end quote. Well, this is the true classic rock. It's all of these things and more. It's further evolved into many sub-genres that encompass virtually all variations today. Classic rock? Well, there wouldn't be 
a Beatles or Rolling Stones if there wasn't an Ivory Joe Hunter or the Ink Spots. There wouldn't be a Death Leopard or Guns N' Roses if there wasn't a Bob Wills, one of the first to add an electric guitar to his band way back in 1938. All right, Johnny Barfield's Boogie Woogie. And the term rock and roll goes back at least to the early 1800s when it was first used. Look it up. Quite a history. Rock and roll, classic rock, to me, encompasses a whole heck of a lot more than just hard rock. And to me, rock and roll is a lot of forms of music, not just hard rock. John Bon Jovial, what's well, your you, opinion? Yeah, well, and, and I agree with you, but you know, you can't overlook uh, some of the other pioneers like Carl Perkins. Uh, you can't overlook oh, Chet Atkins or, uh, or even Les Paul. I mean, these without without those three people that I just mentioned, again, you you wouldn't have. You might not have a Gene Vincent if it weren't for them. You might not have uh, Frankie I, Avalon. I don't disagree with you at all. I was only mentioning just just a few of the names, and as you so rightly point out, you could add to that Carl Perkins. You could add a lot of names to it, and we would be here. We'd be here for the whole hour mentioning the names, but uh, I was just using a couple of examples that, uh, you know, to emphasize my point, rock and roll is a lot more than just hard rock. Well, oh, absolutely. I and, mean, even uh, take a I, look I, at uh, somebody like Buck Owens, uh, and, uh, you know, they're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. Well, guess who else did that? The Beatles did that, and they had a huge yeah, hit with yeah. it. Exactly, and I... Uh, and they will be. The, they they were the, one of the first to admit that they were influenced a lot by not only the blues but also by American country music. Yep. Which, as I stated, is an outgrowth of what used to be Western music. It didn't used to be country, and later it became country western, and eventually the western got dropped. And today it's country, and now it's evolving into what's called Americana music, which is really a more broader encompassing of the genre. But, uh, yeah, I just bristle every time I hear uh, a, a rock artist, someone that does the heavier rock, uh, refer to themselves as classic rock. No, to me, classic rock is the early roots rock and roll. Uh, you know, as, as I said, the, uh, the blues, even the swing music out of the 40s, the rockabilly out of the late 40s and 1950s, uh, and, and so on, as it evolved, Elvis... Elvis was a turning point. He was the king in that he was the one that actually broke down the barrier and got mainstream acceptance of rock and roll. And, uh, you know, I don't take anything away from him. But, no, if you're going to talk the roots of rock and roll, it goes back way farther back than, uh, than heavy rock or metal. Oh, you're absolutely right. And uh, as a, a side note to that, Take a look at what happened with country back in the 70s. As country was leaning more and more towards the George Jones and Tammy Wynettes of the world uh, and getting oh, what I refer to as being able to cut the syrup with a knife, uh, you had guys like Sonny James and Narvel Feltz bringing back a, yeah. a, 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 beat, you know, a, a, a doo-wop kind of sound to their country music. Yes. And you had artists going to the more lush orchestrated country music, which was really a crossover into pop music. 
uh, well, I, it, to a large extent, the way it was done in the uh, late 1940s. I mean, you had even Johnny Cash had a full orchestra backing him up when he did his TV series. Yeah, that's right. And several of his hits. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, that's right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of intertwining, intermingling of the genres. But if you're going to talk classic rock and roll, no, classic rock is not Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is a classic rock band, but it's not the term classic rock. Well, they have classic hits that could rock. be considered it's to be classic hits, but I, I would never, I have to agree yeah. with you. Uh, they're not classic rock. I'm, I'm going to look at the Ink Spots as classic rock, and I'm going to look at um, the, uh, um, uh, you know, your, your buddies in Fort Lauderdale, uh, the, the Majestics. Uh, the Mystics. The Mystics, yeah. The Mystics is classic rock. Yeah. And, uh, and, and by the way, yeah. they don't, uh, they're not living in Fort Lauderdale anymore, but that's okay. They're up in Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> oh they've gone all Hollywood. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, uh, the classic doo-wop groups out of the 1950s, I mean, they took, they took uh, what was adult pop music of the 40s and early 50s, and they were doing it on the street corners and uh, doing, you know, putting their own twist to it and doing all the vocalizing, which was basically, it was essentially filling in for the music, the instrumentation. They didn't have to back themselves up. You had one guy singing lead, and the, the rest filling in with, uh, you know, doo-wops and other sounds to make up for the fact that they didn't have any instrumentation to back them up. So, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a thing with me. And, uh, yes, if you have a, a comment... A criticism, you want to disagree with me or what, uh, my mailbox is wide open. Drop me a line, david at thedavidbowers.com. And, uh, hey, maybe we'll continue this discussion on a later show. Right now, it's time to call on our first guest who's coming in and going to introduce himself. We'll be talking with him and getting to learn more about Drake King in uh, three or four minutes right after we listen to this song. This is Drake King. We'll make him welcome as he does Better Man. You said you're really through with this. This time you're really meaning that you're done. Too many chances have been given. And he's taken you for granted for the last time. You're tired of the ups and downs There's always less ups and downs You're tired of being low So I say Hey Lady do you want my Justify what seems insane. Yeah. 
Better man. His name is Drake King, and he's here with us right now. Come on in, Drake, and say hello to everyone. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Nice to be here. Doing just great. So glad you could be here with us today, and uh, we thank you for that. Great sound. I got to tell you, I love that song I just played of yours. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's the one that I heard that caught my attention and uh, directed me to you. It's got a... Uh, I don't know uh, how you how you would classify it, but it's uh, it's got a country sound to it, but yet right. it's got a a very subtly driving pop beat. I mean, it doesn't have that solid bass or drum sound driving it, but it's there. It's a very <laughs> subtle beat to it. Did you uh, did you do the arrangement to this? I I wrote the song, uh, the music and the, the lyrics, but. Uh... The uh, the reason that it's kind of like that that weird cross between you know like an, an older country and the newer pop is because when I recorded it, uh, I recorded it in Nashville with a bunch of guys who um, who were part of the A team back in the day, and so uh-huh. uh, it was kind of like uh, I don't know if you know who Harold Bradley is. He's the guy who oh, yes. produced it. Yeah. So Harold Harold Bradley produced that track or that whole album actually, and. Um, so you're here, and you're hearing his sound and my style, I guess, uh, kind of combining there to make that <laughs> to make that musical baby. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that uh, one, for one, you got yourself a uh, a heck of a man there because anybody that's familiar with, especially with country music over the last oh, what 40, 50 years, has to know who Harold Bradley is. And I'll tell you what, the two of you come together uh, with a nice sound. You got a good sound there. John Bon Jovial, how about chipping in your opinion? Oh, sure. Well, uh, first of all, you know, uh, Drake, welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have you on with us. Uh, my, hey, I'm honored to be here. Well, you know, it's a two-way street, my friend. Uh, 
but in listening to your music, uh, I, I'm going to agree with everything that David just said, but what I'm going to add to it is one of the feelings that I got from it was, uh, and this is going to sound kind of strange, but I got a feeling of security. And by that, it made me think back to a time, call it the uh, the 50s or the 60s, where you, you, you're living a comfortable life and you've got a white picket fence around your house and, and, and everything is good. And that was the first, one of the first things that I thought about. And I don't know why it, I did. Uh, but the more I listen wow. to it, the more I'm thinking to myself, you know, a white picket fence makes you feel good, so that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> that's, really, that's a really interesting insight. I, I don't think I would have ever um, thought of it that way. But, uh, you know, we all have our own perspective, and that's kind of the beauty of music is that it, it brings it out in us. Well, David will tell you that my perspective sometimes can be a little on the off-the-wall side. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a different perspective, and as we uh, as we mentioned to most of our guests, and I'll, I'll mention it to you right now, Drake, uh, John never gets to hear this music ahead of time. And the, well, I do well, that on purpose. It is, yeah, I and I prefer it that way. Because I, I like to... I like to get his instant opinion. I don't like him to be biased with, uh, you know, anything that I or the artist might say. And I, you know, I don't want to give him time to get comfortable with it. I, I want to hear his first opinion because, let's face it, the opinion that the listeners have the first time they listen to your song is often the one that makes or breaks it. And uh, I like true. to get, I like to get John's, you know, off the cuff, his first impression, good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, for the, our for listeners who aren't familiar, Harold Bradley uh, actually started in the 1950s, and uh, he oh he engineered, arranged, and produced for Patsy Cline, Willie Nelson, Roy Orbison, Elvis, even Slim Whitman. Uh, he's in the Musicians Hall of Fame. I'll tell you, if you are a student of music in this country, and we just had a uh, we just had a big one. I was going to say discussion. It was more like a diatribe on my part, uh, discussing uh, <laughs> classic rock, uh, my, my feelings, because, uh, you know, hard rock genre has kind of tried to take over the, quote, classic rock, unquote, right. genre. And uh, I was just uh, pontificating on that. But uh, anybody <laughs> who has a, uh, who's a student of rock or popular American music over the last 50, 60 years, uh, if you don't know who Harold Bradley is, Look him up and uh, and get to know him because his name is such a big part of what we call uh, the American popular music that uh, you you really should know who he is. You did a great right. job. I like this song. What's what's coming up for you, Drake? Well, um, I'm releasing a new song uh, called "Settle Too Soon" here this month on the 29th, and this is one that. Um, that I made start to finish. I mean, I did all the instruments, all the all the producing, the mixing, the mastering, everything myself. So um, it's kind of it'll be interesting to see how people react to it. It's uh, one of my one of my kind of drawbacks as far as when I went to the studio. It's like you can hear these sounds in your head, but you can't always explain how how you want somebody to play a certain thing or or if they're playing it one way. It's kind of hard to for me anyway, to, to express how, how I want it to sound. And so by having the, the chance to sit down and just take my time and, and write the song out, it, it, uh, it allowed for those, 
so it sounds come to fruition. But that's, um, yeah, we haven't released uh, any new music in, in a little while, so we figured uh, we'll give a little taste. I mean, I have a lot of songs that are just waiting to, to be seen, but we've got a few things that we're kind of kind of looking at at the moment, so we're just going to release this one and see where it goes and, and try to plan from there. I agree. We want to hear that song, and we're going to be playing it here in just a few minutes, so you folks in my listening audience will be among the first to actually hear Drake's new release. This was a little bit of a surprise to us, Drake. I'm glad you brought the song with us. We're really looking forward to it. Now, aside from the new track, which we're going to be playing in a couple of minutes, what else have you got coming up in the near future? Well, uh, music-wise, we're just kind of... I'm, I'm focused more on writing and, and trying to get more songs done in the studio because uh, it takes a lot more time to do it myself than, uh, than to have a full band and everything like that. Uh, you know, with working these these other jobs to to fund my music, uh, that sure. <laughs> like kind of gets in the way of it. So, um, well, really, we're just trying yeah, to focus the, on that and, uh, and see where it goes. That's the double-edged sword of uh, of this technological era we're in right now. It's uh, it's wonderful that artists can release their own music. They don't have to kill themselves for years trying to get a recording contract before they can release their music. But then. The downside is you got to do a lot more work to get it done. It takes more time, and uh, you got to right. do your own. Uh, you got to do your own publicity and distribution. So uh, that's one of the reasons that we've said all along: uh, the artists today have to understand that the second word in music business is business. <laughs> that's you exactly right. Learn how, <laughs> you better learn how to do business, my friend, because uh, this is a tough business to be in are you doing any touring no not at the moment um i'm actually so my my career plan as far as music is concerned at the moment i uh i'm i'm training to be a pilot and so what i plan yeah what i plan to do is um i'm going to use my pilot career as a way to travel and uh and meet a bunch of different people and play music all over the place and that'll kind of be my promotional vehicle if you will uh, so I'm I'm in the middle of getting that training underway, and uh, once that and happens, that is, then I can continue making steps. That is really awesome. I uh, and thinking back the years I've been doing this show and a couple other shows I I hosted before this, and uh, I don't think I've ever had a pilot uh, for a uh, a guest artist, an artist who actually flies himself to dates. I'll look forward. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to do a show on that when you get your license. And uh, and start cruising around. We got to get together and uh, and and we'll do a show around the fact that uh, well we had a uh, we had an artist here a couple of weeks ago that was a uh, singing truck driver and he used okay. his driving as time for his creative juices to flow when he got <laughs> the ideas for his his music and lyrics and uh, right we can have ourselves a uh, a flying singer. I like that. What do you think, John Bon Jovi? <laughs> that'd be kind of cool, yeah. Just, uh, you know, avoid some of the cornfields in Iowa in the middle of the winter, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. we've got about one minute left. Tell us, tell us in the minute that we have about this new song of yours that we're going to be playing. Okay. Well, um, this is a song that I actually wrote about my wife. Um, I've, I've been married for a little over a year now, and... This song is kind of a tribute to to uh, my past life, I guess you could say. I was pretty rowdy and and 
loose in 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 a few words, and um, it just kind of goes to show it's, it's called something too soon, and it's kind of a play on words, really. It talks about how if I would have been okay with her just being, you know, this person, or if I would have settled for her just being this person, then I wouldn't have got to know the person that I'm still getting to know uh, to this day, and I would have settled too soon. So it's, um, it's it's got a lot of depth to it. Um, it's a little more it's a little more poppy than than uh, what you consider better man, I guess you could say. Um, a little more of a modern sound, but I think it's still got that, you know, maybe a little bit of '90s country vibe to it as well. Well, we're gonna find out right now. You said it's called "Settled Too Soon." Yes, sir. And there you have it, folks. Thanks again, Drake King, for being here with us today. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Settled Too Soon. I would have said a four good night, kiss me goodbye, long hug and a smile. Settle for one time, love me tonight, another body next to mine. I would have settled for a candlelight dinner and a driving movie for two, but I'd have settled too soon. I would have settled for a half hour bottle of wine, the sun bleeding in the sky. I would have settled for four months. College trying to me single for a while. I would have settled for a late night sinner that slept like an angel of noon, but I'd have settled too soon. There's always Cause
This is Joe Bonzo with the Oak Ridge Boys. You're listening to my good friend, the David Bowers. Grant Malloy Smith, who is right here to come talk with us now. Welcome aboard, Grant. Well, thank you so much, David. It's great to be here. 
a pleasure having you on board. Tell us a little bit about that song. That is a good track. I really like that. Well, that's kind of the southern rock version of the song. There's two versions on, on the record called Dust Bowl, American Stories. And that song tells, from the farmer's perspective, looking at a giant storm coming across the Great Plains back in the 1930s when they just about blotted out the sky and, you know, wrecked a lot of uh, houses and lives and livelihoods out there in the Great Plains right. in, in that time. So it's meant to be kind of dramatic and uh, but, but fun to listen to at the same time. It is every bit of that. Now, that that's available on an album? Yeah, the album's called uh, Dust Bowl American Stories. Uh, it was on the Billboard charts for about um, four months uh, last right. fall. And, and I'm very proud of it. And they can get that album where? Well, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on uh, Apple Music or, or, I should say, iTunes, as long as that still runs. Or on my website, just which is my my three names, Grant. Malloy, M-A-L-O-Y, Smith.com. Uh, I sell it there, too. I, when you buy it from me on my website, I, I send a signed copy of it. When you buy it uh, in other places, you just get a re regular copy of it. Uh, so it's a little bonus for going direct through the uh, through the artist yourself. Good deal. I like that right. concept. I like that concept. And as I said, I like that song and the, the story it tells. It is a... Uh, it's a fun to listen to song. It's, you know, so oftentimes message songs are a little bit heavy and unwieldy, but that one's, uh, that's something you can get into. John Bon Jovial, your thoughts? Well, I'm with you on that, David. I, I like the song. It, it's, it's, it's got a lot to say. And, and Grant, I do truly believe that you did a beautiful job on producing the song. And so congratulations on that. Uh, I, I just wanted to add one thing on the, uh, you know, the availability of records. It's also available at your local Tower Records and Tapes. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's another era. <laughs> long, long gone. <laughs> You're dating it's right yourself, next John. to a blockbuster video. There yeah, right. Go. Right next to the local blockbuster video. Sure. And, oh, and of course, by the Sears store. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're just coming out of the holiday season, and uh, you had a holiday song, Fly Possum Fly, which was uh, very well received. You get a yeah. lot of miles out of that. Yeah, I know. The whole thing started out almost like a joke. I mean, I wrote I wrote the song just to be just to have some fun. And I wrote a bluegrass song and it was around Christmas time last year when I wrote it originally. And so I, I said, you know, I made it be about Christmas kind of and um we just had a lot of fun with it, and the next thing I knew, we were doing a, a real recording of it in Nashville with, with a, a great young singer called Emmy Sunshine. She's a great bluegrass and country voice, and she's only like 15 years old, but man, she sounds like Dolly Parton. So, she does. So we sang it together. Yeah, isn't she amazing? Um, and then uh, a few months after that, we had a, it was turned into a book, a children's book. So, right. so uh, I spent a lot of time in the fall, you know, doing book fairs and book signings and all that kind of stuff, and Emmy and I played it a few places around the southeast, and this was, ended up being an unexpectedly uh, fun project, and, uh, and I never real, I, I never imagined I would be doing a book like that and, and just be in that world. I'm a music guy, not really a, a book guy, but, but now I guess I'm both. Yeah, I guess you're I've both now. And you, you got some attention that. from Steve Martin, too, I see. Yes, <laughs> I was just going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well... There are two Steve Martins that, well, there's probably a million Steve Martins, but two that we, one's really famous, the movie movie guy uh, and comedian, uh, and then there's Steve Martin, the bluegrass um, uh, host, radio host, and but they know each other, 
because, you know, they have the same name. Oh, sure. And yeah. Steve Martin, of course, is a bluegrass guy. He was, he's a great banjo player. And so he's been on Steve Martin's show. I guess that was confusing to so moderate Martin, that one. But Steve Martin <laughs> knows Steve Martin and likes Steve Martin. Yes. They do, they're friends. Uh, but, yeah, but he, he's, he's a, a very, that Steve Martin, the bluegrass radio host, is very well known in that world. You know, bluegrass is a kind of a vertical market, if you will, and, yes. and a, yep. much smaller than the, the general country music market, that's for sure. Um, but I think the, the devotees are a lot more, uh, they are, well, they're, they're very loyal. Very loyal, very uh, hardcore, uh, uh, for want of a better yeah. expression. We've had a we've had a, a couple of good uh, bluegrass artists on. We had the uh, Smith Sisters bluegrass here a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. They were a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. They do some. They do mm-hmm. some. I, I kind of I hesitated saying this, but I I kind of call it modern bluegrass, in that it's yeah. not it's not the real old fashioned bluegrass. But I don't mean right. to infer that they have gone rock and roll with it or anything like that. It's still bluegrass and uh, no. A no. couple of real nice girls, a lot yeah. of fun. We enjoyed having them on they the are. show. And uh, we should have had you on the show before Christmas so we could have uh, we could have got your uh, <laughs> your book and song a little pre-holiday plug. But there you have it, folks. You can write it down and get it on your Christmas list for next year. <laughs> and uh, we, <laughs> they keep starting Christmas sales earlier every Only year. Only 360 days till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Grant, you never know. You just did. Uh, I was going to ask you. I always ask our guests about their uh, their touring and road work. You just did mm-hmm. a uh, what I consider a monster show not too long ago in uh, some hall in New York City. Was it? Yeah, some little place. You probably never heard of it. They call it Carnegie Hall. In New York City. New York City. <laughs> New York City, yes. Cowboy, oh, New York. There's, there's got to be a story there. <laughs> tell us, tell us, Grant. Well, yeah, I'm I'm part of a group called the Indie Collaborative, and, and in fact, the, I'm one of the founders of it. And uh, we have a, a couple of thousand members now around the country, and it's all independent musicians and music industry professionals. In fact, the Smith Sisters are members of of that group too. Right. I, I know them They're from L.A. Um, anyway, we we put on these shows a few times a year normally it's like a showcase so it's kind of inside baseball it's just for us musicians primarily although you know we can bring guests and family and friends and, right. and fans that kind of thing but most of the audience is made up of, of of us you know musicians but we decided to step outside that and do a real concert i mean other musicians can come of course because they're members of the public too but but primarily is made for the public as opposed to you know in, inside our group and so we we, three of us, split the night into thirds, and we did a, an amazing uh, blend of musical theater was the first act, and then world music with the Grammy-winning voter, Carolman from South Africa, uh, did a, a great a set for wow. about 40 minutes, and then I did a, a set for about 40 minutes, and then we did a group song together. So we, we basically, you know, we painted the town that night at up, up near Central Park at, at Carnegie Hall. It was really amazing to have hundreds of people there. And sure. And you walk out on that stage and you think of all the people that have been out there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit intimidating. That's kind of uh, <laughs> but, but, kind of the same feeling you get uh, at the uh, at the old Opry. I got uh, one of my favorite yeah. stories of the business is I, I was in uh, Nashville for the old DJ convention back in '73, uh, <clears throat> I think it was. And uh, mm. my my uh, associate and I 
happened to stop by the Opry during the daytime. And, uh, well, we just said, well, we're right here. We, uh, we're coming up from the old uh, restaurant that was down the street there. And I said, let's try the door just for kicks. And it was unlocked. So we went in, and uh, long story short, during our self-guided tour of the uh, of the Opry, I did uh, I could not resist the chance to get up and stand on the stage. So I I got up mm. on the edge of the stage and stood there just for a moment because you know it's just one of those things you have to do. And uh, we quietly yeah. departed right after that. But uh, I just had to do that. <laughs> so I know what you mean about the special feeling in special places. Is there any chance uh, yeah. they're going to uh, they're going to make a uh, TV or out of that? Out of what, the Carnegie Show? Yes. That I, that I, no, we decided not to do that. It's, it's just for no other reason that it's incredibly expensive. The Carnegie charges a lot of money if you want to broadcast or even just to get an audio recording is, wow. is a big number that you have to pay them for the privilege yeah. of doing that. Yeah. Uh, so we that's the only reason we didn't, but... Uh, Next time, I hope that we got have the budget to to do that because yeah, I wish maybe I could you see it again. <laughs> maybe you get a uh, maybe get a uh, a sponsor or two to help uh, help mm-hmm. defray the yeah. cost. That, that uh, yeah, that would have well, it's a double edged sword like many things in life. You you weren't able to save the video so you could see it or you could share it with people, and by the same token, you have that. Mm-hmm that one and only feeling that you only get when you're actually there and do it. And nobody yeah. can ever take that away from you. So uh, I that, hope that's, that's not <laughs> really. <laughs> what else Otherwise, are you doing? there's really no way to make any money. <laughs> that's true, too. But what else are you doing now besides playing Carnegie Hall? I mean, have you got any real shows on? <laughs> <laughs> Joe's Barn Grill, I think I'll be there. Oh, great. <laughs> I know that place. <laughs> It'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> yep. No, right. Tip your waitresses. There you go. Are you? Well, seriously? I'll be playing some shows around the southeast. Uh, starting in starting in March, I'll be playing some shows. Okay. And, um, again, this year, and I'm also I have a new book coming out in that same series. You know, once once you've uh, once you've made a book about cartoon possums, you know, it's kind of hard to stop. Yeah, you can't get you can't ever get away from that. <laughs> what, what do you have a name for it yet? Yeah, yes, it'll it'll I believe. Well, this is a working title. It may change, but I think it's going to be called The Possibilities Are Endless. That's kind of a play on the word possible. <laughs> That's the, the possibility. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And John it'll and be I about are... all the things you could do. John and I are both into uh, playing on words, so I, I know he appreciated that too. Now, oh, yeah. this uh, you'll be posting all this information on your web, right? On your website? Yes, I and will. That, I will. That is again grantmalloysmith.com, and Malloy has one L yep. in it. So, uh, want to clarify that grantmalloysmith.com. We've got just a couple of minutes left before we have to move on, and uh, I want you to be sure and have time to tell us about this next track we're going to play because Man of Steel is a very special track with a story of its own. Tell us about that. Well, I met a young man at at Charlotte Airport back in March, and um, he he had come back from the Middle East. He had lost a leg, and he had one of those... uh, Space Age prosthetic legs on. And we started talking, and I just got so struck by his spirit and his positive outlook on life. And it turned out he was going to be the first 
person in his entire family's history, as far back as they know, to ever be able to go to college because he was in the military long enough to qualify, you know, for the GI Bill. Right, right. And he was just full of full of him, full of the future, and optimistic. And I got home about a week later, and I just I just wrote this song, like just spontaneously, just came out of me to honor not just specifically him, but all the people, men and women who go over where we send them, you know, they're all volunteers. Right. Uh, right. And they put themselves in harm's way, and sometimes they come back damaged. And the damage isn't always physical. Sometimes you get, you know, there's, we all know today about post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yes. I mean, I'm sure police and EMTs and doctors and nurses get the same thing because you get subjected to things that normal people don't have to see, you know, car accidents and terrible, terrible things that happen in life. And, you know, I just I, I have a lot of respect for people that do that. They do it on purpose. <laughs> it's Certainly. not an accident. They they yeah. you know they're putting they're doing that for for the rest of us. And I'm just so honored that the the National Veterans Foundation NVF.org they chose my song Man of Steel to be their official theme song. So they've got it up on it's on my website. It's on their website too. It's on my YouTube channel. But you can get to all that stuff through my website. I'm just really proud of it, and, and I honor oh, them and all the people that that put themselves in harm's way for us. Absolutely, and you have a right to be proud of it. We're proud to have had you here on the show and uh, want you to know you're always welcome. Come back and see us. You get, uh, you've got new music coming out. We'd be glad to help you break it to the world. Thank you so much, and God bless everybody, and Happy New Year to you all. And to you, Grant Malloy-Smith, ladies and gentlemen, here he is with Man of Steel. Born right here, like everyone. Learn to read and write, learn to walk and run. And writing in my daddy's broken summer, it felt like flying. I was so scrawny kid, not too great at school. I missed it. Shoot me home, but I 
Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. We're available for free on Blog Talk Radio, also on YouTube, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, Amazon Alexa devices, as well as any other place that you go to get your favorite podcast. Be sure to click the follow link on our Blog Talk Radio page and like the David Bowers on Facebook as well as Twitter. Be sure to join us next week for The David Bowers Awards, Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern on WRFZ FM 106.3, Rochester Free Radio, and on Blog Talk Radio, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 6 p.m. UTC for more great indie music and talk with the artists that make it happen. So until next week, for The David Bowers and Nick the Geek, I am yours truly, the legendary John Bon Jovial, saying we'll see you next week right here on The David Bowers Awards.